You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. So we are in Psalm 23. We will be looking at verse 3 this morning. If you guys want to go ahead and open up and and put your thumb there uh, or open up your device, whatever you'll be using. But let me do a review of the last two weeks. Because this whole chapter, while we can break it apart and, and almost look at just one word and one verse and spend a week on that or two weeks or three weeks and, and truly never exhaust it. Because uh, I know that I need a reminder every day of applying God's will and principles in my life. Uh, I want us to keep in mind the context of all six verses. And that's why we're reading it together each week. Uh, Lord willing, maybe some of you will have memorized it by the time our series is over. Uh, just from hearing me repeat it over and over and over. And that would be great uh, if that's the case. But first a review. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Or in other versions, I shall not want. Uh, or we even talked about how it could be another way of saying it, I am content. And David who penned this, and we found out that it's believed that he penned this later in his life, after already experiencing many things, broke this down to the Lord as my shepherd. He understood God as his shepherd, the attributes of being a shepherd. David was one, Moses was one. Uh, many, many, many other characters in the Old Testament were shepherds, knew what it was like to be a shepherd. And so when they called God their shepherd, or when God referred to himself as a shepherd, it was like light bulbs went off everywhere. And so them seeing that, that, that shepherds were humble, they were poor, they were detested, they were lonely. It was a dangerous job and that Christ embodied that when he came to earth. Little did David even know. It was prophesied that it would be through his line that someday the Son of God would come, the Savior. But little did he know that as he penned the Psalm 23 that Christ would actually come, embody those traits here on earth for his sake, for our salvation. David also saw the Lord is his shepherd. We see God is our shepherd. David knew this because of how God worked in through his life. God was there. God was faithful. God never broke a promise. God never lied to him in that. And God is still that today for us. So the Lord as our shepherd, the attributes of a shepherd, as we understand an ancient shepherd, the Lord is our shepherd. And we understand and come to know that and believe that through our relationship with him, spending time with him. Last week, we looked at verse 2. It was called, Rest for the weary. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Or, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And in this case, in this verse, we, we talked about how God will make us lay down sometimes. Sometimes he'll let us lay down in those places of peace and tranquility, those places of nourishment, the green pastures. He knows the road ahead. He knows the path coming up far better than we do. We can't see our future. We can make plans for tomorrow, but truly, in whose hands are they? They're in God's. And God sees that. There is no surprises to God. Okay, there are no surprises to God. 
So sometimes he needs to make us lay down in those green pastures because he knows we need the food up ahead. Sometimes he knows we need the rest for the journey up ahead. Sometimes it's along the way. It's a sunset in the middle of a crazy chaotic time in your life. Like the picture I showed of the first sunset after three and a half weeks of moving to multiple houses and multiple states for us and our family and just feeling weary. And, and then there's that sunset. And it's a moment of rest, even amidst the chaos and the crazy. We talked about how God's presence is rest. That's our future. That's, that's our eternity. Being in his presence is rest. And I don't know if you've had that moment in your life, or maybe you've had more than one, but there are times that it's just like you can just feel like you're in his presence. And it's peaceful it's restful. Maybe it's, maybe it's during a time of praise and worship and music. That's happened for me several times. Sometimes it's maybe in the Word and, and suddenly your eyes and your heart are open to something that you'd never seen before and all of a sudden it made sense and, and you get it. And it's His presence opening that up and it's in His presence that we find rest. We also find rest through obedience. We're not looking over our shoulders. We're not worrying about getting caught. We're not stressing over the, all the details and the things. It's when we know that we are doing the right thing for, to love him because he loved us, right? This isn't, this isn't for our salvation. This isn't to do the right thing to be saved. That's, that's a free gift. We can't earn. But it's out of our obedience. It says in Isaiah 57 too, that we can find rest and peace and I think we've all experienced that, haven't we? When you know you're doing the right thing at work and you're doing it well, there's rest and there's peace in that. It doesn't mean it's not busy. It doesn't mean that there's not schedules to, to meet and different things, but there's, there's a rest in that. When you are serving your spouse well and you're loving your kids well, when you're being kind to your brothers and sisters or obeying your parents or whatever context it is, there's rest in those places. The green pasture is the nourishment of God's word is what we attributed it to. That God's word is where we find our nourishment. And then as he leads us besides those still quiet waters, and we talked about how the shepherd would have to carve out a nook for the water because the sheep cannot drink from moving water. It's just, they'll drown, they'll get swept downstream. They just can't even do it. So the shepherd literally has to create a pool for them to drink out of. And we talked about how Christ is our living water. We talked about that through our prayer life, that we drink from that. So this morning, as we continue our journey through Psalm 23, I'm going to challenge us yet once again, as I've had the prior two weeks, to not tune out just because this may be familiar not just because we just read it or because you've memorized it or you heard this as a kid. That we would set our pride aside in thinking that we already know what his word has for us today. That we would be open. We would be humble to receiving it. Not because of who's saying it, but because of who wrote it. Okay? Verse 3. He renews my life. 
He leads me along the right path for his namesake. Or in the English Standard Version, he restores my soul. It leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So just like the prior two weeks, we're going to break this down. We're going to look at the details of these words and their original meaning. But first of all, we're going to look at he renews my life. He restores my soul. Take a deep breath with me. He renews your life. He restores your soul. Anybody in here need that right now? Yeah. It's what he does. It's black and white. Or blue and white. He restores our soul. This is not a temporary fix. You know, vacations can be great. They can be relaxing. They can be enjoyable. But it's temporary, isn't it? Monday's coming. The cows get out when you get back. (laughs) They were good all week. You were gone, right, Tony? But as soon as you get back, they're out. (laughs) We all have those, don't we? Monday's coming. Monday is always coming. Guys, this restoration, this renewal of our souls is not a temporary fix like the weekend or a vacation. This is an eternal fix. Jesus does this. He initiates this. He does this. It's there for us to enjoy our part the nourishment of God's word in the green pastures. Drinking from the living waters through our prayer lives. It's right there. If we are not feeling that, if we are not experiencing that, if we are not sensing that, it's on us. He, just like we've talked about, he is there leading he is there leading us and turning, us, turning around and checking on us. And he's out, he's out front on point where the danger is going to happen and making sure it's safe. He sees the path ahead so that we lay down and we rest here in the background before we get there. We're the ones that are like, oh, I want to see the other side of the stream over here. And we step out of the nourishment of the green pasture and don't pick up our Bible for several days, and all of a sudden we're like, well, God, you're supposed to restore my soul. Where are you at? Now, where are we at? He's still there. I'm the one that went over here. He's still here. The meaning for the word here, renew or restore, is to return, to turn back, to refresh or repair. I want to say those again. To to return or to turn back, refresh or repair. Isn't that great? Isn't our English language so limited (laughs) in the meaning of a word? 
it is only by when we're wandering around that we, as we turn back and we get closer to where he is, where the living water is, where the green pastures are, the nourishment of his word through our prayer life, that our restoration, the repair of our soul takes place. Elsewhere in scripture, this word is used to restore from disorder and decay in Psalms eighty nineteen. To restore from sorrow and affliction in Ruth 4.15. To restore from death in 1 Kings 17.21 and 22. And the same word is even used to convert in Psalm 19.7. It says the law of the Lord converts the soul. He renews, restores our soul. And see, I believe that when Scripture says our soul here, in a lot of places, is heart, our heart, it's, how do you define that, right? How do you define soul? I believe it's our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's basically the very essence of our being. It's, it's who we are. The physical part of us is going to go away someday, right? The moment we're, moment we're born, we're on a timer. Our days are numbered. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. These bodies are not guaranteed tomorrow. Our souls are eternal. And God created them that way. Our mind, our will, our emotions are not even, our DNA is still physical. It's not even that. It's, it's, it's what separates us from animals. It's, and I know that we can jump into some theological things about whether animals will be in heaven or not. I don't, I, I don't know. But Jesus didn't come to save our pet Bootsy, right? He came to save us. There have been some men in my life, Tripp's dad being one of them, that have come alongside and, and they sit down and they look at you with these eyes that, that are, are deep. <laughs> There's just vastness from life experience and their walk with the Lord behind their eyes and their, and their gaze into you and you can just feel it. And they go, and they've asked me this question, how is your soul, Matt? You're like, how do I answer that? <laughs> I mean, whoa. I mean, how do you answer that? How is your soul? What an intense question, but a powerful question. And over the, t- over the years of trying to come up with creative answers, and some of them a little bit smart-alecky, and <laughs> just to kind of ease the tension in the room for a moment, uh, I'm sure Tripp's had to come up with some answers with his dad over the, over the years as well with it. But I believe that the answer is directly related to how connected I am to the Good Shepherd. Am I, am I at his feet following him absolutely as close as I can and drinking right out of that nook that he carved and, and munching on that grass through his word, through my prayer life? That is the answer to how our souls are. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ. And again, he's doing his part. He's promised that. He does that every day. And our part is to communicate back through his word, through prayer. So how is your soul?
How is your soul? How is your soul? The next part of this verse, it says, He leads me along the right paths, paths of righteousness. And two points I want to make under this is, first of all, He leads me, you. The second one is along the right path. So like, well, yeah, duh, Matt, thanks for repeating what the verse just said. Let me, let me break it apart a little bit more for you. He leads me. So there's personal pronouns in this. There's an intimacy here. See, the chapter began in third person. The Lord is my shepherd. And as he moves into this chapter and he moves through this psalm, it moves into second person. In the coming weeks, we'll see how it'll move to the first person. There's a growing intimacy with the writer David and his good shepherd, God the Father. He leads me. Who's leading? He is. Again, kind of Captain Obvious here, but I forget that every day. How about you? Who's leading? Oh, no, no, no. I got this one, God. I got this one. It's okay. I'm going to, I got this. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Dear friend of mine, we talk about this often, is the plane's going down. All four engines are on fire. You're in a screaming nosedive. Think of the Bugs Bunny cartoon. You guys remember that one? Did you watch the Looney Tunes? Uh, only me? Sorry, okay. YouTube it. I'm sure it's out there. The plane's going down, and Bugs Bunny's like, he's trying to slam on the brakes to the plane and in the cartoon he does he's able to push the brakes in the plane stops like this and he gets out walks away you know obviously in real life that doesn't happen (laughs) the plane's going down the engines are on fire we're screaming towards the ground and we're like no lord i got this i still got this you know the alternators going nuts like this and the ground spinning and you're and you're coming up and it's there you're gonna hit and we're still like, no, I got this. And he's just like, no, let go. Let go. He leads us. Isn't that a relief? Isn't that a relief? Isn't that rest and peace? You see, when I think I've got the stick, <laughs> things fly apart. In fact, the plane was probably leveled off and going just fine at cruising speed, cruising altitude, and I grabbed the stick and all of a sudden the engine blew off. And I lost a wing, then I lost a rudder. Because I'm hanging on and I think I know. He leads us. Gently, tenderly, lovingly. Picture, Picture him sauntering along. See, the shepherd leads based off the condition of his sheep. Are there young ones? Are there older ones? Are they, are they needing some more nourishment? So he slows his pace. He's not trying to race ahead and get on down the path. Imagine, imagine him singing a song. Can you imagine hearing Jesus sing? What would that have been like to be one of the disciples sitting around the campfire and to hear Jesus sing. Oh my word. 
that should just give you goosebumps. Or to hear him pray, him praying for us as he leads like he did in John 17, that is the Lord's prayer in John 17 where he prayed for his disciples and he prayed for us and he's still in heaven praying for us. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. That's from Isaiah 40, 11. Where does he lead us? Not down the wrong paths. Along the right paths. Paths of righteousness. Has it ever felt like the wrong path? You can be honest. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it feels like the wrong path. You're like, Lord, are you sure? Are you really sure about this? I think maybe I should grab the stick. Maybe, maybe we should go around on this side, Lord. How can we tell the difference? Well, are you thirsty for the living water? Or are you not? You think you've had plenty to drink and you're good. Do you know that you need to be in communication with him every day? Are you desperate for it? How's your prayer life? Are you hungry for his word? When you pull up your phone and you see that app, can you just not help but want to jump into it? Or when you see this sitting on the shelf and you walk by, can you just not, you just not help to grab it and want to learn and grow? Are we me-focused or God-focused? And by God-focused, I mean, we love him. We love him. We delight in him. We know he is our good, good father, our good shepherd. Are we loving those around us? You see, as we love the Lord and he fills up our empty cups that we hold up to him as an offering, it's going to spill out on others around us. Are we loving others around us? Are we anxious for others to come to know him? That's how we know if we're on the right path when those are characteristics of our lives, our thought lives, our words, our calendar, our checkbooks. Sorry, checkbooks is really old, isn't it? How do we know if we're on the wrong path? Me focused? You really don't, you use people to get what you want. You, you help them so they owe you one. Your thoughts, your efforts, your words, your spending, your calendar. If we were to throw it up on the screen, would it be me-focused or God-focused? There's an uneasiness in you. There's not rest. There's not peace. There's an agitation just kind of starting to boil up. These can all be signs of being on the wrong path. If we find ourselves on the wrong path, 
It wasn't Jesus out front doing a juke move and trying to get us off track. All right, you guys, if you followed sports at all, there are some players that can just literally make people look like they break their ankles when the defender's trying to guard them because they can move and, and go the other direction and, and that person's literally just still there. They can't keep up. Jesus is not doing that to us. He's not out front all of a sudden making a juke move or all of a sudden jumping behind a rock and hiding. <laughs> they're not going to see me. Now they're going to get lost. No. That is not our Savior. That is not our Good Shepherd. It's because we have wandered off. He is not the one that's changed. We have. And let me be clear, being on the right path does not necessarily mean a life of ease. You will have peace. But to be the follower of Jesus Christ means that we will suffer. Straight up. Jesus flat out said, as he's giving his altar call, if you will, I'm taking some liberty there and calling it that way. There were not technically altar calls in scriptures, but in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Walk away from your family. Sell everything. Follow me. Not follow me and everything's going to be cool. I'll have you covered. You'll have, you know, you'll have Cadillacs and yachts and everything else. All your, you'll have luxury meals and, no, that's not the case. Take up your cross and follow me. Paul also says the same thing in 2 Timothy 3. We will suffer. Peter says it again in 1 Peter 5. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we will suffer. Like, well, Matt, thanks for raining on my parade today. David, next week's going to tell us when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through the dark valleys, verse 4. It's not if, it's when. And I would be failing if I was not preparing you for this. I would be failing to say that accepting Christ means everything is going to be peachy king. It is well worth it. Because life is hard, period. Whether you're following Christ or not. Is it not? Before Christ, with Christ, life is hard. Tell me the difference. Kurt, I'm going to just call you out, brother. Before Christ, with Christ. Life's still hard. Tell me the difference, Kurt. We have a firm footing on the right path because we're following the Creator, the Savior, the Good Shepherd, who's caring for us and feeding us. Thank you, Kurt, for letting me call you out there. That's exactly right. And Kurt can say that with confidence because he knows. He knows. And I know many, many others in this room, including myself, can tell you with confidence because we know. There is a peace. There is a grace. There is a hope. 
It doesn't mean things don't hurt. It doesn't mean things aren't hard. But with Christ, we are in his presence. We are in his favor. We are, we are loved. Romans 8.28, a familiar passage to, to many of us. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. You see, it works out in the end. He wins. He wins. And see, following him, we're on the winning team. We get to benefit in that. Notice the order of this chapter. When we truly embrace the Lord as our shepherd, our wanting ceases, verse 1. When we are nourished by the word of God, the green pastures, we will have the strength needed for the journey ahead. We've got to read it. We've got to get to know it, memorizing it, spending time in it. When we drink from the living water by praying to Jesus, the living water, we will be hydrated for the journey ahead. We've got to pray everywhere and every day, maybe you guys remember that song, Pray Constantly, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. That's verse 2. Today he, renew, he renews, he restores, he turns us back to him through his word, through our prayers, communication with him. We come to know his voice, to hear his voice amidst the 5,000 plus messages we receive on a daily basis through our phones, the internet, through TV, through radio, through billboards, through bumper stickers, you name it. They're literally, they've counted it up. There's some 5,000 plus messages we receive on a daily basis from the world telling us what should make us happy. Can you hear his voice through that clutter? If you're spending time with him, we can. We can. If you're not, no. That's a lot. That's a lot to digest and take in. Then he leads us on paths of righteousness. He prepares us for the journey ahead. He leads us on the right path. He sustains us for the journey. It's knowing he's our shepherd. It's him leading, initiating, preparing us, feeding us for the journey. And then he leaves. No, he doesn't. He keeps leading us along the path, the journey of life. For his name's sake. The end of this verse, for his name's sake. It does not say, leave me on the right path for my sake. It doesn't say, so I don't fall down a cliff or get eaten by wolves or get lost. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's for his name's sake that he does this, that he is our shepherd, that he feeds us, he nourishes us, he prepares us, he strengthens us. And he leads us on the right path for his name's sake. You see, it's all about the glory of God, period. Like, well, Matt, well, how, how does that benefit me? What's in it for me? Our favorite radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? Doesn't that make God a little egocentric if it's all about him? Are we supposed to be selfless? Are we supposed to put others first? Well, here's why it's for his namesake. And this is why 
it should be a relief to us that it is. There is nothing else that is as good, perfect, holy, sovereign, or awesome as God, the Father, as Jesus Christ, the Son, as the Holy Spirit. There is nothing. There is nothing. So if this was to be for any other sake, but for his, it would be less. God is the supreme. I don't even know if being is the right word. I don't know. We're going to get to explore the depths of his majesty and his name and, and his character for all eternity, for those who love him. And it will be a joyful experience. But there is nothing above him at all. So if there was anything done for any other glory, for a human, for a thing, it is less. You see, we are, we can be corrupted. We can be led astray when we take our eyes off the true shepherd. He can't. He is the constant. And so if we try to say that anything, if, if it's not for his sake, then forget it. I'm out, personally. But it is for his sake. So I'm, Lord willing, by his grace, all in. Isaiah 48, 9 through 11 says this, and God talking to his people, the nation of Israel, he says, I will delay my anger for the sake of my name. Whose name? His name. And I will restrain myself for your benefit. So you get to benefit from that. We get to benefit from it. His people got to benefit from it. And for my praise. So I will restrain myself for your benefit and for my praise. God's praise, not mine. So that you will not be destroyed. Verse 10, look, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Hey, there's that suffering piece again. I will act for my own sake, God's sake. Indeed, my own. Okay, three verses. He's saying this four times. This means it's very important. It means there's a lot of emphasis here. For I will act for my own sake, indeed my own. For how can I be defiled? He can't. I will not give my glory to another. And hallelujah is what we should say. Praise God. Because if the glory goes anywhere else, then it's all for naught. We don't have hope. But it is for his sake. There is a difference. God cannot be defiled. We can. God cannot be corrupted. Guys, God is holy. He is the definition of holy. God is love. He's the definition of love. He is peace. He is the definition of peace. He is the healer. And he is the definition of healing. And the list could go on for far longer and for more words than I've got. 
And guys, when God gets the glory, as it said in Isaiah, we get to benefit. We get to benefit from that. And it's almost impossible to illustrate this with human words and in our understanding. Because again, we're, we're corruptible. We're finite. He's infinite. All of these things. But if you want to try to start getting your brain kind of nudged in that direction to, to thinking towards this, it would be like if my wife played the lottery, which she does not, but if she played the lottery and won. Okay, the way we keep our finances is everything's hers is mine and everything mine is hers. I mean, it doesn't matter under what name the check comes in under, it's, it's ours. Okay, so if she were to all of a sudden win the lottery, would I not benefit from that? Yeah, I would. It would be pretty awesome. <laughs> As we give God the glory, us following him, serving him, as he is made known and proclaimed, we get to benefit from that. And I can't tell you all the ways. I can tell you one way for sure. Heaven. Eternal salvation, glorification with him in heaven. Where the tears are gone. Where the pain is gone. Where the joints work perfectly. (laughs) And many, many other things. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. He's there. Offering for our lives, our souls to be renewed, to restored. But if we're wandering off, we're out of range. It's kind of like a Wi-Fi signal. You lose range the further away you go from the modem. But man, if you're right next to it or even plugged into it, it's just like, you go. Guys, this is where we need to be. And there's some even really cool... (laughs) I love this series because I can't wait for the next week and I'm not even done this week yet. Um, But it's coming up. Just other things that the shepherd does, did, that God does for us as he leads us and goes along the way and how he continues to provide for us and nourish us. You guys, my hope for each one of us during this series of Psalm 23 that as we zoom in and and look at more detail in these words and in these verses, that our love for God expands. That you just, you just can't wait. Maybe pick it up again and read it again tonight and in the morning. You just can't wait to be reminded how he's our good shepherd. And when he is, we don't have anything we need to want. We don't have anything else that we need. And he's going 
He's going to lead us and guide us and make us lay down in those green pastures. And as we come to the stream, he's going to carve out the nook so we can take a drink. And he's going to renew and restore our lives. And lead us on the right paths. Not the wrong ones. Our part is staying close to him. And we do that not by accident, but by choice. I'm going to seek you out today, Lord. Lord, today, before you open your eyes, write it on your ceiling if you have to. Lord, I need you today. Be my good shepherd. Lead me. Guide me. Let today be about you, not me. And then you can start trying to get your joints moving. Get out of bed. We don't do many altar calls around here, and we're not going to today, but I'm always available. If it's later in the week, my contact information's in the bulletin or communicator or whatever we call it around here. That pamphlet that a bunch of cute boys helped hand out when you came in. Text me, email me. If you have more questions about who is this good shepherd and why, why should you even care about following him? I'm available, please. If you think that God's led you on the wrong path right now, I'm not going to judge you. I've thought that at times in my life as well. He's not scared of that question. I'm available as well to listen, pray, whatever. More than anything, I hope your love for God is growing as we do this. And if any of you do not know him as your personal Lord and Savior, that you would come to know him. Would you pray with me? So Lord Jesus, this morning as we wrap up our time of of worshiping you together as a local body of believers, of brothers and sisters, because of your name's sake. Lord, continue to work in our lives. God, that, that this would follow us out these doors, that, that as we go into our, our community, as we go into our homes, as we go into our workplace, as we go into the stores, the restaurants, wherever you have us going, wherever we are to go, Lord, that there would be an essence of the shepherd on us. that we would not compartmentalize our relationship with you and set it on the shelf for the rest of the week and put it back in on Sunday mornings. But God, that it would become our lives. Lord, that you slap us in the face if you have to when we, <laughs> when we start going too long during a day without you coming to mind. Lord, thank you for each person who's here. Thank you for the work in their lives that you have begun and are completing. So Lord, we just 
give you this morning, Lord, as an offering. May we leave here continuing to serve and glorify your name because there is no other name above your name. And it is at your name that every knee will bow someday. So Lord, the choice to be made is will we bow before you today out of humble submission or will we be forced to bow to you out of sheer terror when we have not chosen to follow you? Let us go as sent, your people sent on mission to love you, to love others, and to make you known. In your name, amen.